Get ready for brilliant people, brilliant ideas, and a regular good time. This is Brilliant Thoughts with Success People editor Tristan Almada, the show that thinks about how personalities, relationships, and communication shape business success. And now here he is, Tristan Almada. James Whitaker is a guy who has the answers. I mean, not only does he have a cool Australian accent, but the guy knows his business. And look, whether it's business or just helping you grow as an individual person, he has your back. In one of his three best-selling books or in his podcast, Win the Day, you're always going to be hearing him bring out the best about people. And that knowledge is key to helping you grow. Now, if you want to hear more about what exactly that all means, just listen in when I get to talk to him now. Welcome back to another episode of Brilliant Thoughts, a success podcast. And today I have someone I did some research on and he's he's a very, very interesting guy. James Whitaker, welcome to the show. Thanks for being on. Tristan, thanks so much for having me, my friend. Very much looking forward to this. Dude, I, I, I got to say, that accent makes it a lot easier to talk to you. I've, I've been now, what, eight or nine years in the, in the US and haven't managed to shake the Aussie accent as yet. But from, from what Don't. I hear, it's, it's not a bad thing. So we've got good ambassadors like Chris Hemsworth and, and Hugh Jackman who have, who have paved the way before me with the accent. What, 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 that's a pretty amazing duo right there, man. All we have to do is work out with them too, right? That's right. If I could lift as much as they could, then I think my wife would be much happier. <laughs> I like it, man. I like it. All right. Well, some of the research I did, I found that that you're not only teaching people, leaders all throughout the world, how to run their finances better, but in essence, how to have clarity and how to be able to grow whatever it is they want to grow. You just have a lot of versatility, and I love that. And my question to you is, how did you get here? I mean, tell me the story of, of James Whitaker. Great question. So yeah, I, I grew up in Australia and I had a I had a really interesting moment when I went for a job interview at McDonald's when I was 13 years old. That was going to be the first point. I, I had a legit job. I was very I was eating a lot of McDonald's at the time, quite frankly. I, I thought I was an absolute shoe-in for this position. And uh, they basically, I, I rocked up to the job interview and they said, why should we give you the job? And I completely froze. And I, I will never, ever forget that moment. And I added three words back to them. I don't no, after what felt like an eternity of silence. And that was the moment for me when it was this big rude awakening of like, oh my God, there is this big world out there and you better figure out a roadmap of how to succeed in this big road uh, of this big world. Otherwise, it's going to, to chew you up and spit you out. And then I had a few issues after that, things like debilitating anxiety through high school, which it just took me a long time to understand, not just what was going on, but also physiologically how I could manage that. And that was a moment at about the age of, of 23 where I, I basically said to myself, I'm not going to live like this anymore. And that was where for very much the first time in my life, I felt like I planted a flag and said, look, here I am, world, come and get me. And from that moment, I've been consuming everything I could possibly find on peak performance and mindset and positive psychology and relationships and everything else that it takes to be a success, not just in the modern world, but just in general. And now as a result of that journey that I've been on now, I, I very much have this obligation of wanting to give back to a lot of other people who might be in a very dark point in their lives at the moment. All right, man, you, you said some, some cool things there. Number one is 
that, that I stood out. First, McDonald's is awesome. Thank you for bringing that up. <laughs> I can't, can't not bring that up. But you, you mentioned anxiety. And you know I, I also get to talk to some pretty amazing people. And regardless of, of who we talk to, you find that anxiety is part of being a human being, right? At different levels, right? Some, some definitely much higher, some lower. How did you, how did you go around being able to manage that and, and take control? Because it's such a big challenge for people. Very much so. So for me, it manifested as if I was in a situation where I felt like I couldn't escape from. So the real, the real danger point for me would be if I had to work a shift by myself and that would very much reach a point where I would throw up or I would faint or I would have a combination of those types of things. Whoa. And of, of course, there's very much a, a degree of that. Like it's a spectrum, right? Like there's a, a magnitude of anxiety where sometimes you might just have these really bad feelings and hot flushes for a couple of minutes and then mm -hmm. be fine afterwards. But for me, what I was doing, which I I realized many years later, just as we can think and grow rich, we can think and grow poor. And what I was doing by eating crappy food, not, you know, not drink, uh, drinking the things that I, I shouldn't be drinking, hanging around people who mightn't have my best interests and long-term growth in mind, not setting goals, not having mentors and coaches in all of the other areas of life that were important <laughs> to me, or not even really thinking about what my unique comprehensive definition of success was. It was the moment that I started to mm. figure out out what that was, that was when everything changed. And for the anxiety specifically, it was figuring out what I could do with breathing. So these are things that you can do to get into the optimal state. So it's thinking about when I'm faced with something that's important coming up, it's taking a deep breath and it's creating that imagined memory for the future and playing it through in my most optimal state. Because the brain doesn't know the difference between imagined <clears throat> memories that we have created versus memories that we've faced in the past. And it means that when you put yourself in a situation situation that you've already seen, that you've already been through, that you've already dominated in, then it's so much easier just to get back in that, to rinse and repeat, to put yourself in that optimal state and be totally happy with the result. So that was very much the journey that I went on about peak performance personally. All right. So imagined memories. Uh, that's the first time I've heard of that. That's cool. All right. So I guess I'm not reading enough. So here we go. <laughs> imagined memories. So you're saying that we're sometimes controlled by those thoughts we have of how something is going to be before it happens. Or is it something that we rehash or revisit on something that happened in the past and we make it worse than it is? If, if we have something coming up that is important to us that we're nervous that we're nervous for and nerves that just help us get in that optimal state to make sure that we can that we can really put in a great performance but in those things where we worry so much because our anxiety and fear it doesn't live in the present it lives in the future and the past when we're attaching our our mindset to that so by flipping the script on that and saying I'm going to get proactive about creating a positive memory of something that's going Going to happen in the future. So whether it's a sales meeting, a, a business meeting, walking on stage, whatever it might be, you think about yourself, you close your eyes and you, through the, the right process of breathing,
breathing and putting yourself in a great state, whether it might even be listening to the intro of your podcast show or music or something like that that fires you up and you play out that entire scenario in the most perfect way imaginable and it mentally prepares you to really cope and thrive when you are faced with that situation in reality. Now, what happens when we succumb to those fears and anxiety that we have is we're automatically doing that process in the worst possible way. We've got those questions, what if this, what if that, what if I, if I faint, what if I throw up, what if something, like what if the worst possible outcome happens? If you're an NFL player, maybe it's, or a soccer player, maybe it's what happens if I miss that kick? But what if you could create that entire memory of something that's going to happen for the future in your most optimal state where you have prepared yourself for every possible scenario and you've played it through in the most perfect way it can possibly be and then you release yourself from that outcome. All you need to do is go back into that optimal state beforehand through closing your eyes, through your breathing and thinking about, because that's what I do with those imagined memories. I close my eyes and I think about where am I going to be when that thing happens? Am I backstage at this convention center? I'm walking on. What are the people saying? What are they cheering? You play all that stuff. That is how you can create your reality. It took me so many years, so many wasted years of my life because I didn't understand that think and grow rich can also be think and grow poor. The entire concept is exactly the same depending on how you view it. Dude, I, I never really thought of reversing that think and grow poor. <laughs> That's such a good point, James. I, I like that. I like you should write that, but that should be your next book. Think, think and <laughs> I think there'd be a big market for it based on <laughs> just how, how people have felt the last couple of years. And unfortunately, that's most people. They're very much a spectator in life. And a lot of the work that I do is to very actively get you to be a participant in life, to engage with life. Yes, we're going to have these really bad days and there are going to be things that happen to you. And in many cases can be quite traumatic things that happen to you, which are a lot of the things and stories that I've told in the, the books and things that I have released. But how you respond to adversity when it inevitably strikes is what separates ordinary people from extraordinary achievers. How do we get there though? Because we we all face adversity. We all have the same or similar feelings at different parts of our life, right? Anger, sadness, all, all of this happiness. But how do we deal with the those emotions that that are more negative, typically? How do we prepare ourselves on a, on a daily basis? What would you recommend we do? I think being around a really great group of people is so important. There's a, a quote, I think it was from Mel, Rob, uh, Mel Robbins, hang out with those who have a common future, not a common past. If we're around people Ooh. who just aren't good for our soul or who aren't good for our mind, it's going to be so much harder for us to make incremental gains every day because we're not trying to click our fingers and all of a sudden your life is perfect. If anything, it's that consistency over time. Uh, consistency is much better than intensity. Often people, they feel like they've got this motivation to get out there and make something happen. But if you go all out on that one day and you've got nothing left for tomorrow or the day after, then you're going to be back to square one time and time again. And that's what destroys that confidence because confidence really comes from momentum. So I like to, to have some type Whoa, of daily routine. It might true. be something like, uh, I use a, a book called The Five-Minute Journal where you write down three things that you're grateful for and three things that would make today a win. I actually have win the day. Uh, it's on my mind tent bracelet right here on my, on my wrist. I stare at that and I acknowledge that every single morning before I walk and do a cold shower. It's just part of my process of saying, you know what? I'm going to win this day. And you cannot win the day unless you acknowledge, first of all, that the day is there to be won. 
And second of all, without an idea of what winning looks like to you on that day. And I think if you can combine those two things and come from a position of gratitude, no matter what situation that you're in at the moment, and surround yourself with really great people, then you just got to turn up and, and rinse and repeat that every single day. Over time, those results are absolutely astounding. Winning has to be clear. That's what you just told me. Mm-hmm. And I mean, one of my questions was, how do you suggest we win the day? So that that's the answer. Now, let me go back because I do have another question for you. You talk about clarity. How can we get there faster? Because I, I feel like some people live their whole lives and it's just like they get they get so bogged down by the things they feel are urgent and they don't have clarity on what the priorities are. That's a really, really, really good question. And it's something that I see so much of. So what I like to do is I have a success plan template that I I work for people. It's available for a a free download. Anyone can go and access it through the link in my bio on Instagram. And what you do, there's eight categories there. You can think about what success looks like to you in all of those different areas. You literally write down what is your perfect destination in all of those areas of your life. And then you start to brainstorm what are the things that you want. I'm not talking about materialistic things. I mean, if there are materialistic things that you want, there's certainly a place for them on there. But it's thinking about time with your family. It's about uh, travel. It's experiences. What type of life do you want? I had someone who I spoke to earlier today, and she actually mentioned one of the things that she loves so much about what I do is that it aligns life and business so much. And I think that's very, very important in a way that we're all trying to have this separation by thinking about what you want out of those things together. It makes it so much easier then to separate that space where if you say, you know what, I'm just going to have the next two hours to hang out with my daughter or my son or my child, whoever it might be, or I'm just going to have some some family time or even time to yourself to get back to nature or play tennis or have a surf, whatever you, whatever you want to do. But unless you can think about what the end goal looks like to you about what type of optimal life that you want, if you can't do that, then you can't reverse engineer that. And that's why people are so stuck in the present. They're mm. treading water because they have not thought about who they are and they haven't thought about where they want to go. So I think at a minimum, once a year, every single person on the planet should think about, ask yourself two questions. Who am I? Who am I? And where do I want to go? Where do I want to go? And if you can figure out what that end goal looks like and simply reverse engineer that to three years, one year, 90 days, and then turn those 90-day goals into action items. Put those action items in your calendar and every 90 days you repeat that cycle and at the end of every year, you start that entire process all over again. All right, man, that that was, I took a lot of notes there. So thank you. And, and I followed you on Instagram, by the way, everybody listening and follow James Witt, W-H-I-T-T. And there you go. You can take a look at the links there which I'm going to do later today, James. So thank you very much. Now, I have a question for you in regards to the book that you wrote, which was the Carnegie one, the whole story behind it. And it was my first time looking at it. So I'm going to read something, a little like short excerpt of what it is. And then you tell me the whole journey behind it. So I'm going to read this. It says, in 1908, Napoleon Hill met industrialist Andrew Carnegie for what he believed would be a short interview for an article. Instead, Carnegie spent hours detailing his principles of success to the young magazine reporter. He then challenged Hill to devote 20 years to collating a proven formula that would propel people of all backgrounds to three things, happiness, harmony, and prosperity. 
Hill accepted the challenge, which he distilled in the perennial bestseller, Think and Grow Rich. That's, dude, I was like, I ordered it as soon as I read that. I was like, man, I should have read this before I interviewed you, but at least I'm going to read it. Tell me about that. So that book is a modern companion to the best-selling self-help book of all time. So Think and Grow Rich was released in 1937, has, uh, has sold more, cop- uh, more books than any other self-help book in history. Um, it's believed that more than 130 million copies of that book have been sold now. So Think and Grow Rich, The Legacy, wow. is very much a modern companion to that book where each of the 13 principles are presented in a modern context, referencing people like Oprah Winfrey and Sarah Blakely and Elon Musk, Mark Zuckerberg, Jeff. Bezos, uh, Conor McGregor, many of the most successful, iconic people of our time. But it also tells a lot of short stories because I'm a, I'm a firm believer that, first of all, that we can learn from everyone, but second of all, that stories are the best way to learn because it's so much more engaging and it's also so much more memorable when we're thinking about what we can do to put those lessons into action in our own way. So the book includes interviews with people like Barbara Corcoran and Rob Deerdeck and a, a whole bunch of other iconic amazing figures to really help people think about what success looks like to you in a modern context. And second of all, give you a blueprint so you can get after it every single day. I like that. I liked it a lot. So I'm excited to read that one. Now, do you have any routines that you personally do that that help you live a more fulfilled life? Anything you can share with and say, hey, look, this has been really pivotal for me in my life. A big one for me was switching up the routine of my day. Now, most people, we wake up, we want that feeling of achievement. So what do we do? We do things like respond to emails because with each email that we send, we get that little feeling of accomplishment. But emails are like boomerangs. We send one and they keep coming back, sometimes two or three or four. And before you know it, you've got to the end of the day and you haven't achieved anything that gets you actually closer to the goals that you have hopefully set for the future. So rather than do that first thing in the morning, it's about flipping the script and being proactive. What does winning look like to you on this day? Even if it's only three things, what are those three things? And making sure that you've got the most creative time in your day allocated towards completing those tasks. For most people, you're really only only going to have about an hour and a half or two hours of that super creative time. But if you're spending that time on things that aren't getting you closer to the most important goals for your life, you're just going to have nothing to show for it after one month, after one year, and slowly that becomes your life. So each day, if you can flip the switch on that routine and do your life's work before your busy work, you'll find that you can do so much more on autopilot once you have used the most creative hours in your day in the best possible way. So that was a huge lesson for me. All right. Anything that you can specifically say, hey, look, this is what I do in the morning to help keep me focused because you're right a lot of people wake up and this is the first thing they go to their phone right they go and they're like barely awake and it's like and and jim quick said something very similar he said look just don't touch this for an hour just just relax let yourself come to life first right but what are some things you recommend for us to be able to focus on so that we stay focused on on these priorities that we'd like to accomplish. Yeah, by grabbing our phone first thing in the morning, all we're doing is we're reacting to the day. We're reacting to someone else's agenda for our time. Oftentimes we wake up and we we feel happy, but all of a sudden we see something that's come through and we're like, oh, I have to do that later today. Or something that I was hoping would be good ends up being horrible. And it's just such a bad situation. You, you, you're on the defense first thing in the morning. 
So the, 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 probably the biggest thing for me each day is it doesn't matter how I feel. It starts with that acknowledgement that the day, this day, every single day is there to be won. I actually take a moment. It takes about five mm-hmm. to 10 seconds for me to do that. I switch on a cold shower. I look down at my mind tent bracelet that has win the day written on it. And I stare at it and I think to myself, what am I going to do to win this day? That's it. It's the acknowledgement, first of all, that this day is there to be won. Then I like to put myself in some type of adversity first thing in the morning. That to me is the cold shower because uh, if we get used to an easy life, it just makes weak people. So making sure that you face adversity head on. I like to do it up front. That needs to happen every single day. And then once you write down three things that you are going to do that day, they just nag away at your brain until they get them complete. And if you're in a situation where maybe you're in a work environment or even working from home where you have a lot of distractions, I think setting expectations and boundaries with the people around you that you are not to be disturbed during those most important two or three hours when you're focusing on the the most important work for your day. I think it's really important actually to to set those boundaries so you can keep moving forward and do what needs to be done. Uh, Another thing that's really important to me for each day is reaching out to people just to let them know that I'm here to help. So that focus Focus on giving without the expectation of anything in return. It's sending audio messages. It's it's checking in with people just to say, let me know what you've got going on. What can I do to help? And anytime I always end it with, as always, let me know what else I can do to help. I, I attach that to pretty much everything that I that I send out. And the best part about that, it means that when you have a specific ask or people turn around and they say, what can I do to help you? then you've already set it up to make sure that you can get a a really great situation because relationships are the absolute essence of everything in life. They lead to every single opportunity. They lead to every single bit of happiness. and, And to me, relationships are the number one thing that I focus on in life every single day. Dude, that's good. I love that. So you mentioned a couple of things that I want to go back to. When you were talking about winning the day, you you mentioned that you you typically write out some things that, that are there for you to win that day, right? Anything that you've noticed over doing this through, through years that's repetitive, that's like, you know what? This just keeps on popping up and it's so important to me that that has to be there for me to win the day. Great. Yeah, it's a great point. Physical health. That's it. So it's so easy for us to put business things on there. But when we talk about that life and business alignment, we cannot make sure every single day what we're thinking about winning is all business or it's all physical. Like It needs to be a combination of these different things. And I think we've all got people in our mind who have these very much a material focus and they've got nothing else in their life. They might have bad physical health, bad relationships, and nothing else good around them. And that all comes from that very much soul focus, that tunnel vision on one thing that has enabled success, but it's destroyed because they have not got that alignment of life and business and those other things. So that's why I think it's important to have that that alignment between financial health, mental health, and physical health. So I actually try and a bit like the food that you that you put on your plate if you want to focus on good nutrition, making sure that you've got a bit of color and a bit of diversity on there. So with my uh, what it looks like for a win every single day, I try and think about what's one thing that I can include for my physical health, what's one thing that I can include for business, and then what's one thing I can include for either family or my mental health. But as far as things that I keep coming back to, it, it really is some type of mobility, like mobility work. I'm, I'm 38 years old now and I'm, I'm feeling every bit of it some days, and uh, but waking <laughs> up and and doing that mobility work or getting a a good workout in. Again, it's just focusing on that consistency side. Uh, That's something that I I keep coming back to. That's cool, man. I like that answer. 
It's so true. Now, if we're looking in and saying, look, my finances are just terrible. I'm really good at at paving the way and, and being innovative and a great visionary. But, you know, I just suck at finances. Where where do we go to start that? Is there a place that you recommend and say, hey, go here, start here and go little by little? I think, first of all, you need to figure out exactly where your money is coming in from and where it's going to. Without that awareness piece, everything else is going to completely fall apart. There are so many online budget tools that people can go and use. So that's the first step is figuring out exactly where your money is coming in from and where it's going out to. The second step from there is thinking about what do you want that money for? What financial goals do you have? And once you've got those things in place, it's going to make it so much easier for you to be resourceful enough to do what needs to be done to get there and also resilient enough when adversity inevitably strikes to be persistent to achieve those goals. And then apart from that, there's a few other things that you can do. And this is a tip that is so basic, but so few people do it. Spend less than you earn. Spend less than you earn. Most people, we struggle financially is because our expense, we have an expenses problem. So either you need to earn more money, which I think is great because it's very, very important to always be a person of increasing value, but you can also get your expenses in in track and that can help you uh, get back in the black very, very quickly. And aside from that, I think making the process or So if you can set it up where you've got Mm. X amount of money, whether it's a percentage or a dollar amount automatically being withdrawn or transferred from that account into an account that you can't touch, I think it's a really great way to do it. And you don't just need to do that for your personal side. I think you can also, I think it's smart to do that for a business too. Perhaps you've started a new business and you've got some money coming in. The very first thing you might want to do once you've started generating some cash is take that first 10K or take that first 20K put it into an account that you can't touch because what that does is it makes you super resourceful to succeed with far less resources. And that exact philosophy is what's led to companies like Apple being so dominant because they had less resources and it forced them to be more innovative. What a great point, man. That's so true. You do look at Apple. It's like they're just, they just have a stockpile of cash because of that. Absolutely. Yeah. Very good point. All right. Now I have more questions. The more I talk to you, the more questions I have. So, <laughs> Pandora's box. <laughs> uh, so I'm going to go back to at the very beginning. I, I put it in my notes and I almost missed it. You mentioned a journal, the five-minute journal, and you say that sometimes you go to it and you do that. Can you explain what that is and how you use it? Yeah, the five-minute journal is a book. The author is called Intelligent Change. So I I believe it's a company now. Um, It's very, very successful, this book. So the five-minute journal by Intelligent Change. Each day starts with a a motivational quote, like an inspiring quote. Every now and then they throw in a challenge or a different task to include as well. And then you write down three things that you're grateful for and three things that would make today a win. And then you write down a positive affirmation. Then at the end of the day, you write down three amazing things that happened that day and you write down something that you could have done to improve that day and you just rinse and repeat that process. So it's been immensely powerful for me because a lot of these daily routines come back to habit. Now, if we have bad habits, if we have toxic habits, then over time we're going to find ourselves in a really deep rut. But if we can start to initiate these good habits, even when we're talking about very, very small stakes, as we start to earn more money and get access to bigger opportunities, we'll have already cemented those habits that lead to exponential gains over time in every possible way. Hmm. How important do you think it is as we keep growing, right? Solopreneurs, entrepreneurs, because that's our bigger audience here, that we 
that we do a better job delegating. How how do we get there? Because I find that that's probably the hardest transition for a solopreneur to, to let go of their finances, to let go of them posting to social media, to let go just of things, right? How do we get there? It's, it's something I'm super passionate about. So your ability to make an impact depends entirely on your ability to duplicate your own expertise. Now, to me, the problem really stems from the fact that that expertise that you have created is what has led to those amazing results. So because we've had such a tight focus on quality control in these different areas, because that's made the business so successful, it makes it 10 times harder for us to want to let go of that. So I like to think about what you can do. Maybe there's some low-hanging fruit. What's something that's easy to outsource? Maybe it's something like uh, the accounting side where uh, it's something where if they get it wrong, the ramifications aren't going to be enormous and make sure that they're well-trained. But so many people are trying to outsource and they haven't taken the time to properly implement some type of standard operating procedure. So Mm. if any task that you do is repeatable, that, that you're doing over and over again, that is absolutely prime for outsourcing. So any task that you repeat, add a list and put it on there and think about which ones of those are the low-hanging fruit where if they get it wrong, it's not the end of the world, and then creating a standard operating procedure where it's super detailed, where the person who's implementing it can really get a great result without having to do too much creative thinking. So that way the outcome is still created, the task is still done, you're happy, everyone's happy, and you can go to the beach if you want to do because you know that your business is in very good hands. I like that, man. And I think the the key words there were standard operating procedure. I think a lot of a lot of the solopreneurs that that are like a one one man shop or just two or three, very small, they have a hard time creating these duties, which is the, the what you said, the standard operating procedures. And because of that, the job's unclear. And the people they hire kind of flounder around. So such a great point. That was super solid. Yeah, I think even empowering those people to own the outcome, that's really, really important. If you can make sure that those people are responsible for the outcome, does it really matter how many hours they spend doing it? Essentially, you're paying for the outcome. You're not paying someone to spend <clears throat> hour and hours staring at a, at a desk or staring at a, a computer. So by giving people that autonomy to just get that outcome done and making sure that the work they're doing is something they're passionate about, very, very important. At the end of the day, it's not about the titles it's that each person has. It's about the outcomes that are getting done. And if everyone is on the same page in the entire business and doing work they love with very clear parameters around the standards that are expected, the business should massively grow over time. I think that's a challenge, though. I, I, I agree with you 100%. But I think when you said to me uh, right now, you're paying for the outcome. I'm like, oh, man, that's so true. But I see a lot of people that feel like they're, they're paying for the outcome, but they get stuck in the little stuff that just doesn't even matter. Mm-hmm. Right. Yep. How, how do we get to that point where my, my mindset as a solopreneur, let's say I'm a solopreneur and I'm like, OK, I'm going to hire somebody. How do I get there to be like? It's okay that I don't micromanage them. It's okay that I step back, that I let them grow and let them produce what I hired them to produce. How do I get there? I think for everyone who's a solopreneur or even who are co-founders together, 
incorporating a system that's something like the OKR method, which stands for objectives and key results, that was used to build companies like Google and YouTube and a whole bunch of other companies. Implementing something, I have to I have to spell it out because OKR with my Australian accent sometimes it's a bit confusing with the with the R. <laughs> so objectives and key results. You think about what's that core focus for the entire like what's what's the real objective, and then you break that down through very specific measurable things. There's a whole bunch of resources out there on OKRs for anyone who uses a project management tool like Trello. You've already got templates that Trello provides where you can automatically just fill in that data where it's very specific, measurable tasks of what needs to be done. And then I like to look through that list and figure out what of those tasks do I really hate doing that still need to get done? Then I can outsource that, make sure there's a very clear process to get that done and that you provide that support and that training wheels at least for the first one to three months until that person's comfortable. Because the reality is if you hire well, that person's probably going to have far more expertise in that area. Think about someone, if you need to get video editing done for your social media content, content. For you to try and figure out how to do video editing for social media content, it's going to take you a long time. It's going to, your end product is going to suck compared to what someone who's a specialist video editor <laughs> can true. do. And then when you follow that OKR system, you'll also find out what tasks are super important, but more importantly, you'll find out what things can you discard. Because the real struggle for entrepreneurs, for solopreneurs particularly, is that we constantly put these tasks on our plate till we reach a point where we're so overwhelmed because we don't even know what work we need to do today because it seems like we've got this never-ending to-do list. I've certainly been there many, many times in my life and I hope I never I never get back there. But it's something that solopreneurs really struggle with. But with a very clear defined framework of what's most important to us that we check in with regularly and outsourcing outcomes to people who are specialists in those areas mm-hmm. and having very robust conversations in a judgment-free zone at regular intervals, it means that we're just going to get that uh, that really great result for the business, which is all everyone wants at the end of the day. That's very true, man. That's very true. All right. What have, it, what, what have been some of the biggest challenges that you've helped some of your clients with? What what have you taken a look at and you're like, oh man, this, this is going to be hard. Uh, what, are, what have been some of those? There's Without been, naming names, obviously. <laughs> There's, well, there's so, there's so many of them now, so many of these stories and, and fortunately some great transformations. But there's people out there who have grown up in a, a culture. I had a client who was from Syria and she had a lot of challenges. She didn't want to wear the hijab and then she had moved to a, uh, a country in Europe where it enabled her to get into that social entrepreneurship uh, world, which she loved so much, but she still had a lot of limiting beliefs as a result of the culture uh, of where she had grown up. So being able to find and project her voice and talk about things that she was very very, very passionate about was a big struggle to her. So it was about figuring out what we can do to follow the path that we wanted her to go on. And um, there was some amazing results. She was en- ended up doing a, a TED talk, which was fantastic. So being able to structure all of that wow. stuff. And when you have that turning, <clears throat> it's a question I actually ask a lot of my podcast guests. It's when was it for the first time in your life that you felt like you had much more power than you had ever given yourself credit for? And when you can take someone who for the first 25 years or the 
first 30 or even 40 years of their life who never really gave themselves credit or never realized that they had a worthy voice. The moment that they can step into exactly who they are, their entire world transforms and the ramifications that that has for everyone else in their network and how that can grow as a result is absolutely massive. And that's really why I do the work I do today because I just, I love seeing those transformations. It, it gives me shivers just thinking about it. Man, that, that's pretty huge. And plus, I love that question. That's such a really important question. It, it almost guarantees the answer of change, like the most, <laughs> the most transformational moment. It does, because when you think about every good, every good book or every good movie that you watch, the whole thing's not like everything's perfect the entire way. Like it all starts with some type of conflict. Maybe it's an in-conflict, maybe something's happened. But by being in a situation where they meet someone who's a guide who is able to help them figure out that a better life awaits and give them the different tools and things to be able to get there, the moment they step into that power is such an amazing moment. There's a book called The Story Brand by Donald Miller, which I think is a really great yes. way of, of helping people figure out the difference between being the guide and being the hero because we get so caught up in our own feelings of being the hero and letting that ego get in the way, that's what stands in the way of us providing that transformation for that audience. So by really positioning yourself as the guide, it removes the ego, it removes so much pressure and so many nerves, and it just gets you a much better result for everyone. I like that. All right. So talking about books, what what have you read over the last two years through COVID that was like, ooh, this one's really, really good. So Alexa just picked it up and was talking to me. I love that. Alexa, stop. <laughs> so many great books. Uh, a really uh, one that I absolutely loved. Uh, apart from Story Brand, that's a fantastic book. But Shoe Dog by Phil Knight. I think anyone who's a, if you want to know the Nike story, anyone who's an entrepreneur and wants to know the absolute nitty gritty of what it takes to be a success, uh, that one is a, a fantastic book. So that one is, is something that I can um, definitely recommend. But I am I am a prolific reader. I am I am. Really reading constantly. And uh, I think that's very, very important for people to be able to do that. I there, I take something away from every single book that I read. I listen to it at a, a 1.5 times playback speed, sometimes a little bit further, just to get through those things so I can do it as much as possible. I always take notes on every book I read, thinking about what can I do to interpret that to take action in my own life. And uh, I try and uh, just simply rewind if there's something that I need to hear again. There's just so many, so many great books that are that are out there that I that I love. You're an active reader. I love that. Yeah, but it's it's very it's very much an intentional thing. Like it's so much. E- I would much rather go and watch a much rather go and watch a movie. But knowing and recognizing that it is such an important element in my own growth, that is why I have incorporated that into my daily routine. Even if I'm out doing things like watering the garden or, or driving or anything like that, just making sure that that downtime, you know, cooking dinner, making sure that that downtime is being used just to try and, and spark those things. As a, a quote, I believe it's from Thomas Edison that says, never go to bed without a request to your subconscious. Never go to bed without a request to your subconscious. And if wow. you've been listening to an hour or so of really great content every single day, it's going to make it so much easier to have those seeds planted in your head that when you're asleep and that real work begins on your subconscious, you wake up and you just feel just a little bit more motivated and inspired every single day. 
I'm writing that quote down, by the way. Thank you. It's a great Thanks. one, isn't it? Yeah, it's a, really, it's a really great quote. So far, I have three pages of notes from you, by the way. <laughs> <laughs> so thank you. Thank you for that quote, too. All right. Or do you typically gravitate to Audible or do you read? What word do you, where do you go to? Yeah, Audible. I do I do love a hardcover uh, book. It's just in my experience, something that I always really struggle with, quite frankly, is completing a book. I was really good at getting through the first sort of 50% or 60% of a book. But by doing something like Audible, I really challenged myself that I would get that done. So um, you can just get through it so much quicker. That's why I love Audible. And every good book that I read, I also make sure I go and grab a hardcover uh, copy of because all the people I interviewed in Think and Grow Rich, The Legacy, so many people just said staring at the cover of that book is what just put them in the right mindset. So as much as possible, I want to always have books and those inspirational book covers staring back at me. So anytime I have that little bit of negative uh, Mm. self-talk or that seed of doubt, I can just see the book and it puts me back in a a good mindset and we get a move on from there, like the the big action banner behind me. That's like what you said at the beginning, like imagined memories. I'm just going to connect those. Like that's, that's pretty awesome right there. And, and I think that's normal for most people to pick up books and they don't finish them, right? Because I hear that a lot. And so I, I love that you found a hack that works for you that, that allows you to finish them. Awesome job. Now, you brought up Think and Grow Rich, and I do want to get to that. So tell me that process of creating that. You, you probably dove deeper into the book than probably almost anybody because you had to dissect it and recreate it in a modern way. Tell me about that and what, what you learned at the end of it. It was like, whoa. So the, the, the big one for me, the very first thought was to make sure I didn't overthink this. If I'm writing a modern – so that was, that was it. It was not a substitute. It was a modern companion because you can never do a substitute of, of such an iconic book like that that has created more results and more millionaires than any other book in history. Uh, so the very first thing was recognizing that it was a modern companion rather than a substitute and not overthinking that process. So what I did is I took that really seemingly nerve-wracking goal of writing a book that's a modern companion companion to the best-selling self-help book of all time and break that into smaller tasks. So who are the people that we've also got in the movie because we produced a movie on it too called Think and Grow Rich, The Legacy? Who are the people that need to be interviewed or included in the movie and included in the book? And lining up that interview, making sure, like I am, I do a relentless amount of preparation before any person that I ever interview. And it means that when I get there, and there's been some pretty amazing moments, like meeting Barbara Corcoran or sitting with Rob Deerdeck in his penthouse office in, in Beverly Hills, just him and I for about three hours just talking about his journey. Like these are amazing experiences to look back on. And it's really doing that preparation beforehand to do their story justice, asking really great questions. It's going to reveal a lot of the vulnerabilities about who they were. And then just trusting, trusting the vision. Like that was a that was a big thing. And I was fortunate enough to have people like Don Green from the Napoleon Hill Foundation and a very good team of people around uh, who could help with those types of things. So that was that was the moment. But the biggest learning that I had after interviewing all of these people, and this might surprise you, was recognizing that if they could do it, then I could do it too. None of the people that I interviewed were smarter than me, and none of them are smarter than anyone who's watching this or listening to this. If they can do it, you can do it. And from that moment, it was like this fire. I already had a pretty big fire, but it's what lit this absolute rocket under me to figure out what is it if they can do it, all you need is the motivation. And once you've got that motivation and that self-belief, you just got to figure out the plan and put one foot in front of the other. So that's what I do now. I'm figuring out that plan and I'm putting one foot in front of the other. 
So really, that's the answer to the question that you ask everybody. That yeah. was the moment. It was. So I, I would say it was two for me. So the first one was, was that moment of anxiety, which I had mentioned at the start where I was like, look, I'm not going to live like this anymore. Mm-hmm. And I really, I really feel that we, we go through multiple births and rebirths in life when we're obviously first brought into the world, but when maybe if we start our new business venture or when we get married or have a really bad breakup, it can lead to a lot of those different things. So um, certainly that moment of, of planting a flag and saying, here I am, life, come and get me. But that other one there, actually, there's another one where I was working for a company and I thought to myself, what am I doing spending all of my time making this person's dreams come true? I should be spending that much time working on making my own dreams come true. So that was another one. And then, yeah, interviewing those people where I was like, wow. And they were, they were all very candid the way they spoke to me, which was great. And every interview I did, I, or even with the most high-level people you could imagine, I always included at least one or two questions of something that I wanted to know personally, even if it had nothing to do with the project, because I wanted just to get into the, I wanted just to get into that mindset. And as a result of that preparation, it's what led to some really great friendships with people who I'm still, still very tight with today, which goes back to the relationships that we spoke about earlier. So um, yeah, an amazing journey and I, I wouldn't trade it for anything. Dude, I love that. I'd love to see the notes on that, man. Right? More than half a million words of, of notes for that, for that project. Yeah, there uh, so many, so many just, yeah, a lot, of, a lot of time behind the scenes. But it was great like to be in a situation where my job is to interview one of the most successful books of all time that's about success and interview some of the most successful people who ever lived. Like it's a pretty cool, it's a pretty cool job to have. So it was something that I just, yeah, I'm very grateful for and, and something that I'm just very proud of. I love that, man. All right. So you mentioned a couple of things there that one I want to go back to because you mentioned these points in your life where you find yourself like, oh, you know what? I don't want to be here or I'm better than I thought I was, right? And we all, we all find ourselves, like I said, in these situations throughout our life. But how do, we, how do we deal with the negativity that we all seem to have every once in a while? Some of us more than others. But how do you deal with that so you keep that away or you address it and you let it go? Is there a process that you have to do that? Yeah, so I, I always believe in, in keeping it real in everything that I do. So the biggest thing that I'd always struggled with was negative self-talk, by far my biggest weakness. And I'm talking up until like the start of this year. And finally, what I did on my success plan through that process that I mentioned earlier is I made it my goal that I was going to get rid of negative self-talk. That was my big goal for this year. And the way I was going to go about doing that was to start a process of meditation. Then I actually went and bought these boards off Amazon to help hold myself accountable. You can get these like five of these off Amazon for 10 bucks, where every single day you just do a red cross once you've done that meditation. And your goal is not to meditate every single day. Your goal is to not break the chain. It's the exact process that Jerry Seinfeld used to get very good at comedy because he realized the most successful comedians were the ones who told the best jokes and the ones who told the best jokes were the ones who were so disciplined at their craft and were writing the most. So he had that process of making sure he never broke that chain for his writing. And sure enough, on this journey at about 55 meditations through, which was more meditation than I'd done in my entire life, I just I, it was something I had always struggled with. That is where that negative self-talk has gone, and I, I have not had it. I have not had it back. So that was something for me that was very, very, very important. Now it was a, a very specific type of meditation. There's a woman called Emily Fletcher, who's the world's leader in meditation for high performance. She has a company called Ziva Meditation. 
I had done Headspace and Calm and all of these other different apps and I hated them and they actually made me more stressed <laughs> from doing those things. And I couldn't figure it out. And I thought that I was just a really bad meditator. And Emily Fletcher, when I interviewed her, she said, no, you were just never taught how to meditate properly. And what she does is she includes not just a mindfulness situation, she ends every meditation with a manifestation piece. And that is where I got that. We've spoken a lot about things like imagine memories for the future. That is where I really got into the nitty gritty of thinking about what that process looks like because that's what she specializes in. It's meditation that ends with a manifestation piece. And when you do that every single day, when you're reminding yourself of your goals and of your dreams every single day, it is so much easier for nature to give you exactly what it is. And that's how the law of attraction works if you reinforce it with consistency each day. And people don't, they, they want what they want, but if they don't reinforce it with action, they say, yeah, you know what? The law of attraction just doesn't work. No, you haven't focused on consistency. You don't know what you want and you haven't got the right plan. So that simple thing is, is something that really has, has changed my life. And I, I don't have that negative self-talk anymore. And for people who are struggling and they're not willing to go through that process or they want something else, I think just removing things from your life like alcohol or drugs or bad food, bad people, if you can move away from those things and lean into better quality things and, and getting exercise and getting outdoors and having that idea of what success looks like to you and finding about four or five or six people in your network who are like-minded people, even if you come from diverse backgrounds, meet up once a month. Talk about what is everyone's goals? What, what are we going to focus on now for the next month individually? What can we do to help each other and go through that process of having these real conversations with real people who have your growth and your development and your happiness in mind rather than bitching about what you're hearing in the news or the different celebrity cycle on, on TMZ. Who cares? Like talking about your actual growth, it's so much more important. They're the conversations that I love to have. And I think anyone who follows that process will feel so much easier to step into their true self every single day. All right, dude, that's, that's a handful. Now I have two questions here. One you mentioned at the very beginning that I'm glad you you brought up again, and that's the complacency part. Um, you, you brought it up here, and you said earlier, you said complacency happens if you don't challenge yourself. And I, I strongly believe that. And I find that right now in in some cultures that we have out there, you find that that's, that's what's happening, right? You can see it all over, <laughs> social media, the news media, everywhere. How do, you, how do you go about pushing the complacency away? Is it still part of this meditation process that you have? Is it a combination of having the right people in your life? Is it those two things or is there more to it? I think it's identifying what your triggers are. So for most people, it's things like spending, wasting away their days on social media. Every single time I pick up my phone and look at social media, I set a timer for four minutes. That's it. That's my time. It's a maximum of four minutes. So I'm never spending longer than four minutes using something like social media. That's a super tactical thing that you can do to stop falling victim to that mindless scroll of, of going through the, the motions of looking at someone else's perfect snapshot from an imperfect day. But at the end of the day, it just makes you feel pretty crappy. Like has anyone, aside from maybe TikTok, because it's pretty funny, has anyone ever logged <laughs> off on a social media app and gone, wow, I feel so revitalized as a result of having spent 45 minutes there. I feel pretty drained. I, I genuinely don't like being on those platforms for a, for a long time. So 
that's something that I think is is really important. And just just being around the right people who focus so much on individual accountability, giving without the expectation of anything in return. And when adversity inevitably strikes, as it does for all of us, what are you going to do to get your ass back into gear to move forward, irrespective of what happened? And, you know, I feel like we've covered a lot of good tactical stuff today. Hopefully we've been able to to give people a good plan to be able to move forward because I've just interviewed enough people now who have come from the most horrific situations that you could possibly imagine. People like Jim Stovall, who at the age of 18 went totally and permanently blind and he went on to become the author. And I can't even imagine that. Like imagine your whole world literally fading to black. He went on to be the author of more than 30 best-selling books and the founder of the Narrative Television Network that provides solutions for blind and visually impaired people in more than a dozen countries. There's Janine Shepard, who was hit by a truck on her way to the Olympic Games. Like, there's just there's so many stories now of people who have been able to rise above the most horrific circumstances that for someone who's just sitting there on a couch needs to recognize there is a life that is waiting for you to participate, yet all the rules are set up now to make money off you being a spectator. What are you going to do to be part of the resistance to get up there and get after it? That's enough motivation for me every single day to lead by example and be the exception to the rule. Dude, what a great way to end this, James. You have a podcast too. What's the name of it? Where do we go? My podcast is called Win the Day with James Whitaker. It's available on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, YouTube, and everywhere you listen to podcasts. And then you're also on Instagram, which I'm on right now, James Witt, W-H-I-T-T. And website, jameswitt.com forward slash go dash time forward slash. Take a look at that. If you don't, if you can't follow me, just follow him on Instagram. It's right there. You can download it. So James, thanks for being with us, man. I, I took a lot of notes. You answered all my questions. The cool thing is like a lot of this just aligns with what the success brand believes in and that's why I was excited to interview you. So great job. Keep on doing what you're doing. Anything that you're excited about coming up at the end of the year or next year that we should be looking forward to? You know what? I think when travel starts to open up, I've got more in-person speaking events and things like that coming up. So I know the success team is doing a whole bunch of amazing things as far as getting their speaker yep. network and a bunch of great content out there for the community. So I'm super excited. I've Oh, this is the longest I've been by far without travel. As an, as an Australian, we're very, very used to and comfortable with, with long flights and, and travel. So I'm just super excited to, to get out there and start seeing people in person again. You're still in Australia, right? No, I've been in L- LA, in, in California. So Los Angeles for about the last seven or eight years now. Where are you in LA, dude? Uh, in Westchester. So I'm next in Malibu. To- so oh, nice. Yeah, we'll have, we to, should- we'll have to catch up. We should just meet up. That's crazy. Absolutely. Right. Yeah, right next to, to Playa Vista. So Manhattan Beach is a, a place where I go. It's good for my soul every week just to, to get into the ocean and take my daughter for a run along the beach. Nice, man. All right. Well, <laughs> we got to connect. I'll shoot you a message on Instagram and everybody else. Follow him on Instagram. Thanks for being on. We learned a lot, man. Thanks so much, my friend. Really appreciate it. Those are all the brilliant thoughts that we have for you today. If you like what you're hearing, drop us a review or just tell your friends. This has been a success podcast. Head to success.com slash podcast to hear more just like it.